Now is the time to reinforce your bowling arsenal, and BowlerX.com is the online leader in price, service, and selection, with free insured shipping on every item we carry, including a complete line of Pro Shop supplies, as well as balls, bags, shoes, accessories, and more. Also, check out the large selection of closeout and discontinued items at a fraction of their original cost. BowlerX.com, your online bowling superstore and proud sponsor of Above180.com. BowlerX.com, your online bowling equipment superstore, presents the Above180.com podcast. Tim Berg and Joey Serrar are ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, from Washington, D.C., and the Bowler's Pro Shop in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here are your hosts, Tim Berg and Joey Serrar. Joining us tonight is Norm Duke. Norm is a 37-time PBA title winner. Career earnings of Norm are just a shade over $3 million, and he, of course, is with Storm Bowling. And his PBA league team is the Dallas Strikers. Norm, I want to thank you for joining us tonight. Well, thanks for having me, Tim, again. Well, Norm, I thought we'd begin. Uh, you're, you're out doing a lot of the matchmaker events. If you're looking for a matchmaker event with Storm Bowling, check out Storm's website, but, Norm, what can people get? Because one of the, the biggest things people come to Above180.com for is coaching questions. They have information on coaching. They're interested in coaching. They're interested in new bowling balls. Uh, they go to Joe's Ball Reviews, and they read them in the Bowler's Journal. But they always want to know about equipment and coaching. So what can you tell us people can learn when they go to a store matchmaker event? Well, the matchmaker is unique, and, you know, thanks to all of the inserts that you can put in the bowling balls and the interchangeable ones, now you can just go by and find your weight ball, uh, your preference, and then a bowling ball that has a span that similarly matches yours, and then you just put your sized inserts in there and go throw away. You can go and test drive just about any bowling ball that Storm that Storm comes out with. All the companies by now have this technology, so they're all over the world. It's awesome because you don't just have to go in there and spend a couple hundred dollars to find out if this bowling ball is going to suit you or if it's the very best selection out of all the bowling balls that you're interested in. So, you know, you can narrow your, your, your frame of reference to certain families of bowling balls. You can figure out what uh, layouts might best be suited for you. Uh, in ours, we have what is called the vector layout system, which we put a bowler's preference and uh, their access points and stuff. We load it all in a computer, and it'll even spit out, based on what ball you get, the layout that you should drill it to match your intention. So they're trying to take a lot of the guesswork out of the layout process as well, uh, kind of give a little bit of relief to the pro shop operators who oftentimes have to nail it, and they didn't build the ball. They don't know as much about the bowling ball as, as even the guys that throw it that didn't build it. So it, it's really a big tool, and I, I suggest it to anybody that's interested in a bowling ball. We had Victor Marion on last week talking about the VLS, and uh, I call it the Victor layout system, and you know he might have been one of the brainchilds behind it, but I have a lot of ball questions for you, and as, as the ball guy on this show, do uh, you mind if I pick your brain a little bit and ask you just a series of questions? Okay. Yeah, I like uh, Alton three eights back to three eights. I'm pretty, no, no, I'm pretty standard on all of my layouts. But there you go, Joe. Well, <laughs> that, that that leads me into my first question. How I mean, with 
having the luxury of using Storm and Roto-Grip products, and there's over 30 high-performance balls to choose from, how much part do you let equipment play in your game? I mean, we know it's execution, it's reading lanes, it's transition, it's, it's everything and above handling pressure, but how important do you feel equipment is to help make Norm Duke a success? Well, it's a lot more important, I think, for for us, for the tour players, than it is for your amateurs, because we don't have near the guide to the pocket that a, a typical house condition uh, will will yield to the player. So we have to be so much more precise in how far down the lane we want our ball to respond and what type of behavior we want from it once it gets to that point. And it's not all about just grabbing this one, it hooks more, and it's going to work great. Uh, nowadays, bowling balls will tire so much easier than they did in the past. Uh, we used to just try to get them started up in the past because there was a lot of oil, a lot of carry down, not much friction in the ball or the lane surface. So nowadays, you have to kind of get it dialed in, right? Or otherwise, you hit the pocket all day long and you don't get very many strikes. So it's important for us, primarily because all the other players on in the field have access to that same technology, and they're going to figure it out. Somebody's got the whole lane, and they're striking every ball, just about every moment of every day. So if you're not at least confident in striking, uh, 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 let's say, most of the time yourself, then you're going to get buried, and you're not going to be around, you know, come to the end of the day, much less the end of the week, Joe. So I would say it's very, very important. You know, that's why we have ball reps. That's why we have... uh, tour support. That's why we have Victor Marion coming out with these layout uh, systems. So, yeah, we're we're really lucky nowadays to have so much technology. I just wish that uh, more of the playing fields around the world were like the one that we get to play on, which uh, definitely uh, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, gives us a demanding condition and one that not everyone can score on it all the time. Right. And now, uh, correct me if I make any mistakes in this next question, because it's, it's probably going to be a two-parter, but equipment, as we know, plays a big part. You've long been a proponent of medium and smaller-sized core balls as opposed to the real super-strong asymmetrics uh, that are typically available to, say, amateurs, right? Uh, I, we don't see you using sinks and lucids near as often as we may see you win a tournament with a Spitfire or a Tropical Heat. Uh, can you explain to us why you feel those type products match up for your game more often? Oh, yes, exactly. Well, you know, the, the asymmetrical cores are predominantly there for those people who have a difficulty getting the ball to hook, period. So they're looking for some sort of tip. And then, so you got all of this mechanism in the bowling ball trying to get the ball to turn up. Well, pros don't necessarily always need that. What we're looking for more than anything else is the retention of energy in that ball so that it happens way far down the lane near the pins so that we can get power into the pins and we can increase our carry percentage. If you give me a ball that is just going to tire on the way down the lane and it gets to the back end where all the magic happens and it's done, then I'm done. So most of the guys who are going to be playing inside of third arrow uh, we tend to like bowling balls that will retain the energy, at least the, have them shiny enough that they'll get down the lane if we do choose a big core. Um, but it, it's counterproductive if all the magic happens off 
off our hand and, and nothing is saved down lane. Now, I'll tell you where I will use these big cores and the big shells, and that is when I'm really throwing as hard as I can from, from way out. Let's say on a cheated condition that to us is so easy, it's ridiculous. I'm just trying to throw it as hard as I can in the dry and keep it off the nose because I've got all of the core and all of that strength in the ball that it's going to hit. But uh, typically you can't just line up and throw it as hard as you can every time because there's no room out there. Um, you know, you get three off the right most of the time on tour. But when that cheetah's up, you'll see me with a big core and a big bowling ball, and I'll be throwing it as hard as I can. So, again, Norm Duke joining us on the Above180.com podcast. Norm, do you think the, the uh, PBA patterns played too easy last year at the World Series? Uh, can you say, did you say that did, did they play too easy? Yeah, did the World Series of bowling last year, would you have liked to see the scoring pattern be a little bit lower at the World Series last year? Well, I can tell you that last year, probably about seven or eight guys set the all-time yearly average record all in one year. Uh, so I think, yes, you know, when you're talking about comparing us to historical measures, I think that it was probably the most ridiculous of all. Uh, that being said, it really isn't my job to determine the scoring pace or or, or anything. I have preferences. Of course, the, the, the harder the lane is, the more spares you shoot because I have spent so much uh, for over the years at my spare game. I'd like to see that come into play. But as soon as I get caught up in that trap of wishing that it was different, then what I'm doing is wishing I was winning. And I'd rather win and not wish so much, you know what I mean? So, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe every once in a while I think, well, you know, this, this might be out of hand. It, it's still, they're going to pay a champion. And somebody's going to hold a trophy up. And that is my job, you know, to beat everybody going on everything. You know, Mo, uh, you know, speaking of winning, uh, you know, you're one of the all-time greats, in, in, in my opinion, as well as thousands and thousands of other bowlers. But how difficult is it for you to handle not winning or not performing up to as well as Norm can perform and then come back again and, and, and compete? I mean, are there times you feel like you need to just get away from it, you know, take a week or two off? or uh, Explain that if you can. Well, that's a great question, and I will tell you, in about 1993, I came up with something with my wife. I said, look, I think that I'm never going to bowl more than four tournaments in a row because what happens is I get tired, and then I can't navigate the skills that I've built. So it's hard enough to be able to do a lot of things, but when you get a little mentally tired, it's harder to eliminate those things as tools that you don't need. It's harder to manage and to always be doing the right thing. And and I would just be wasting my time out there finishing in the teens. So I I used to four on, two off, four on, two off, and i try to do it around the majors. So now that the PBA Tour has so so few events, it's not necessarily that hard to stay stay clear-headed, except for, let's say, the back part of a long world series or if you have back-to-back majors or something like that. So we don't see it as much. Um, but that was the hard thing for me was, you know, to, to stay to stay motivated uh, to the point where you can feel your desire. You know, I need to feel my desire. I need to be nervous. I need to know that I care. Uh, too many times we find ourselves out there bowling, you know, like a neutered kitten, like there's just nothing there for us. So, 
you know, that has to be managed, Joe. Uh, Norm, when's the last time you were nervous bowling? <laughs> Just about every time I go bowling, I'm nervous. I feel like I'm going to fall and everybody's going to see me do it. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe that's why sometimes I can actually post shots because I'm so scared of falling over the line. <laughs> and don't say it's never happened. I've seen it, okay? And and feeling nervous is, is a good part of the game, I believe. I mean, Will Chamberlain used to say he'd throw up before playoff games. But, you know, talking about your game, um, I've long admired your clean release and your tendency not to get grabby at the release and never hitting up on the ball unless you intend to, uh, but really coming through the ball. And I asked you a question years back at the Masters in Milwaukee. And I said, Norm, what do you like to feel at point of release? Now, do you remember what your answer was? No, I don't. Not right now. Well, your answer to me was was very simple and, and perfect, in my opinion. Your answer to what you like to feel at release was, well, Joe, typically nothing. But if there is one thing, you, you looked at me, you said it's to feel the upper part of my palm be the last thing that touches the bowling ball. And, and that stuck with me because it's it, it, kind of like Pete, his open hand release, and it's kind of like mm-hmm. you, you want to feed the ball with the upper portion of your palm being the last thing oh, sure, to in the ball, not your fingers. Everyone says, I want to feel fingers. Not you, Norm. No, no, it's the same as throwing a football. You know, when you want to feel the same pad, uh, when you throw a football and, and throw it correctly with a spiral, uh, you know, there's a release to that motion, and there is certainly a, not a a hooked type uh, into the finger, like, you know, where your fingernails are white on the ends. You know, you're you're more trying to push it and then rotate around it. So, yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more with myself back then. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, now talking about your clean release, and we all admire to be like the pros. I mean, no matter if it's Pete's game, Walter Ray, Robert Smith, uh, Norm Duke, everyone has their favorites. But talking about your release, you don't use finger grips. And and you've long had a history, at least we've heard, of liking sharper edges, uh, less rounding on the bevels. And you want to explain to our listeners why you, you go this route? Sure. Sure. As a matter of fact, I uh, designed or was co-designer of the hex grip many years ago, which was the green one with the hexagon shape in the middle. And they were the first urethane inserts. So we had you know, a lot of really good points about that, that insert. And one of the greatest was the fact that it would have six holes around your finger and it would eliminate the suction. Well, when I go to other grips, they tend to hold on to me in that suction and they cause my, my hands to tear, especially when I get you know, New Mexico or, or Phoenix or even California. And so I found myself, you know, trying to, you know, bathe in lotion, anything to keep my hands from tearing. And when I went to all the other grips after the hex grip and we folded that company, I couldn't keep my hands together. I hit the ball more. I had a lot more response on the back end with grips, but I couldn't get through a week without blood. And so I went to... Uh, to bowling balls without grips. It took me a while to figure out that my preference was the sharper the edge, the better, because the sharp edge would actually go into the crease no matter what city I was in. And I didn't feel like in some states my, my fingers were, were, my finger holes were small because I'm puffy. In other states, when it's cold, 
you know, I could put my own knuckle into the finger holes. This time, with a sharp edge, all I have to do is just kind of leverage it in there, get that sharp edge inside the creases, and then I'm kind of like hanging off the ball, which it's just so much more consistent when you travel around the world. Norm, got a quick question for you here. One of our Facebook fans was wondering, and we, we put, our, put the question on, what do you want to ask Norm Duke? And we got a, a couple folks that were curious about transition. And they want to know, what, is, what do you look for when you, when you like you are talking earlier, when you're bowling the, the World Series or bowling tournaments, what do you look for before you think, I need to move? I mean, are, are you always making that move every shot? I mean, I know one of the things we've talked about on the show before is you're always putting a little piece of tape in the ball. You're always watching, and you are always kind of want to make sure you're on top of things because you guys don't want to mm-hmm. be behind things. What do you watch for as far as transition? And what can you tell our, our listeners who, keeping in mind most of the time, are bowling in their typical house pattern with you know three to five person teams. What can they watch for as far as transition goes? Well, you know, to, to me, there's kind of two two types of transition. There's you know the, the the smaller type and then the major transition. Major is where wow, this area is blown apart all of a sudden. All of a sudden, I could change balls and still not keep it off the nose. That to me means you have to get a big step to the left and start hitting that, uh, that, that, that right room farther down the lane so that your ball retains more energy. Now, in, with that in mind, transition is happening 100% of the time, always. It's just minor transitions. And that's everything from, 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 from even dissipation. Just a lane sitting, it'll, it'll, it'll get drier. So uh, let's say we put the lights on for TV, then that's a different transition altogether. You add all this stuff up, and what we try to do, what the pros trying to do, is keep up with that. So we need to know whether this shot, are we moving a quarter or a board every time we throw a shot in order to keep up with it? And then during a major transition, go ahead and go five and then start the process over. Or a lot of times during that first transition, we'll ball down and throw harder. Uh, that's what we're trying to do in practice sessions and setting up our equipment is to turn how is the, how's the easiest, most effective way to get through a pattern of transition and then a major one. And when you make that big move, is it with the same ball or do you need a different type or do you need a, a different shell or things like that? And that in itself is the strategy that we're trying to <laughs> that we're trying to set up to play the course and understand that, you know, courses in golf courses in bowling are similar in that they all play a little bit different. And this one might be Brunswick Anvilain and that one might be, you know, Cubico. Just, there's, there's hundreds of them. And then they're in all different types of states and all different types of humidities and all that. So there is really a lot going on. And, and try I'm to sure, simplify it. I'm sorry, Norm, I'm but sorry? go ahead, go ahead and finish. No, no, that's all. We're, we're just trying to simplify that so that we're, it's more reliable to us under pressure. So tell me if I've got this right here. You go to a new pair, you just bowl on 7 and 8, now you're down to, say, 13 and 14. Do you ever try and fast-forward that lane condition in your mind, knowing that, okay, this is what's been happening, these players were on this pair, by the seventh frame, I may have to be here. Do you ever do that? Sure. They, you know, the, the day that I bowled three 300s in a row at Carolier were from three different arrows. Two of the games back-to-back, and of course one of them with a four-hour break. But, uh, of course, when when we certainly know that 
the high end hooks more, it's going to get to that mother may I transition quicker the the major one. It's going to get to it quicker. Um, absolutely. We don't want to go out there and throw three splits just to know that we were right in our instinct. I'd rather make the, make the instinctive move and start with three opens and go, well, <laughs> learn from your mistake, not, you know, not keep waiting on bad things to happen. Um, you know, a perfect, a perfect round to me is one in which all of your instinctive maneuvers work. Now, I don't believe I've ever had one of those, but, but that to me would be a perfect one where you guessed right every time based on what information you had. And in each case, you were right. So, yes, we are absolutely trying to stay in front of that move. Um, the bowling balls allow us to carry light hits a lot better than we're used to. So it's forgiving to the light part of the pocket where it used to not be. You know, it used to when you when you hit light in the pocket earlier in the game, you looked at a 5.7 or, or an 8.10. Nowadays, you've got a four-bagger. So we have to consider that. Now, if we're following, let's say, me, I'm following Jason Belmonte and and Wes Malott and Tommy Jones, that's going to be a whole lot different second game, strategy-wise, than if I'm following Dave Traver and Dave Arnold and Jason Ferraro. Because the way the, the, the three of them collectively play the lanes, they're going to be completely different. So we have to look in front of us and make sure we know what's going on. And that's part of the experience now. Norm, I want to uh, end with a couple questions. One of them being uh, tri-grip is something that Billy Hall came out with. A lot of folks are trying it. Some people on the PBA have also uh, at least are trying it in, in practice sessions and, and not you know, thinking of trying to use it. And, and Joe's drilling for some folks that are doing it and doing some testing of it itself. I want to get your thoughts on, on tri-grip and what Billy Hall is doing here with this and what you think of it. Well, you know, and I, Bill and I have been great friends forever, and I learned about this, I guess, about a month ago. So I called him up and said, hey, Bill, explain it. So he sent me over the DVD, and uh, no, I didn't have to pay for it. I was one of those few that got it for free. And so he sent it to me, and I looked at it, and I committed at the next bowling ball that I drill. I'm going to drill it that way. That is my job. I have to know. I have never once been completely satisfied with my grip. I think it's always a work in progress. So uh, this is to make sure that there's not something out there that's better. Um, I have yet to to drill the, the grip, but uh, seeing as how one of the most respect, respected individuals I've ever met in the game of bowling, I devised it. Hey, I'm going to try it. So, Norm, have you so ever- I'll let you know next time we talk. <laughs> have you ever changed in mid-tournament something to your drilling pattern? Or, or do you try and yes, stay with the I, same field? I, yes, I certainly have, but I'm not so sure in my case it was the best thing to do. And I learned that from George Pappas, who would go to the truck and change his pitches every single time he went in there to get a different type of role. I tried that for a little bit, thinking, hey, this is the magic key. But then it dawned on me that George Pappas was one of the most one-dimensional players in the history of the PBA. Excellent down and in. Excellent in the track. Not so good into fifth arrow. So I learned that he was trying to adapt by his drilling to accommodate, I think, his deficiencies. What I then did is I went through a lot of resources at my deficiencies so that I wouldn't have to go and make masking changes to my grip in order to achieve something. 
And I'd like to think I made the right choice. And I'd like to think that so did George Pappas, by the way. So I, I would think to be a successful PBA player, or actually a success at anything in life, is to know your strengths, know your weaknesses, but more importantly, work on your weaknesses to try and minimize their frequency. And that's how you win tournaments. Right, and you know, that's pretty much what I do every day. So what are, what are you the worst at? Go do that. Because if I can make something that's bad, eventually something that is an advantage in my toolbox, then I can get a lot better in a lot less time. But if I go and practice something diligently that I'm already pretty good at or great at even, then all I'm doing is improving slightly. So I've always done that, and I think that's what steered me toward versatility. It's not like I said one day, hey, I need to become more versatile. I said one day, I really suck at hooking the ball. And so I went and learned how to hook it. And it seemed like I caught most everything in between because I'd been out on tour for about eight or nine years and I understood the game. I didn't understand how to hook a ball to compete with a pro. And once I figured that out, wow, the whole world opened up for me. No, so that's gonna... my, my, my mantra is just throw stuff, throw resources at, at stuff you're really deficient at. Final question for you, Norm, is uh, last weekend was the uh, 2013, the I Grind Detroit shootout. Uh, new, new guys on the scene here putting together some great tournaments. And a lot of bowlers are still complaining. These guys guaranteed thirty grand in prize funds, so they had a, 231 bowlers showed up up in Detroit to bowl this tournament. Still people complained about everything. Um, why do bowlers complain when you have someone come in new and they try to do something and, and yeah, there were probably some hiccups in the tournament and some misinformation got put out there, but why do bowlers always complain? Well, I think it's all education. You know, uh, I think that's, that's, that's why we all cry, uh, whether it be bowling or, or anything else, the more that we understand about something, the less we have to cry about and the more we can look at how to rectify the problems or remedy them anyway. And when we feel a little bit ignorant, it seems like what we do is just whine and cry about it as, as, as a whole. I, hey, look, I've been around a lot of sports, a lot of sports. I don't think we cry any more in this one than they cry in theirs. <laughs> it really, we see it on television. We don't even use the type of cuss words they use in a lot of our arenas. So, I think this is human error and human nature. I don't think it has to do with boy bowlers or any stereotypes. Yeah, bowlers got a bunch of stereotypes because all stereotypes bowl. It's not bowling's fault that it can be played by a lot of people, some with great class and some with very little, some with beer bellies and some with rock-hard abs. This is a tribute, I think, to the sport of bowling, not one that we should take our worst groups and then say this is indicative of the sport of bowling and the people who participate at it. I don't think that's fair to us, uh, Joe and right. Tim. What do y'all think? Well, that, that, that's so true. And, and you know, I, I'd like to really thank you for humanizing yourself to us and to our listeners about your, your weaknesses, your frailties. I mean, we all have them, but it, it takes a, a true man to really admit them. Uh, I have well, there are more than just the ones that we talked about, by the way. <laughs> I'm working on those now. <laughs> well, yeah, our, our show would go on for days if Tim and I had a list. There you go. But I have a good question for you. At least I think it's a good question. And 
you, you've shared so much with us tonight, but I'd like to know, do you have any superstitions when it comes to bowling? Things that you just have to have a certain way for you mentally to feel as though you have a chance to win? Uh, no, no, I don't. Now, don't don't think that I haven't. You know, I, I spent some time where I say, boy, that parking spot, I love it because yesterday was great. And yeah, no, because what I did one day is I said, the day that parking spot makes a difference, that's when you need to go home. You're not relying on the direction your car is parked in order to feed your family. And if that be the case, do something else. You're not cut out for this. So I have eliminated every single uh, teddy bear, every rabbit's foot, everything that you could possibly lean on. I lean on me because that's at the end what I have to rely on. And now I rely on a lot more. You know, our our, our ball reps, our coaches, our, our our team's commitment to us and things. But ultimately, once they start that squad, there's not a whole lot out there but me. And I've lost a lot more tournaments than I've won, and I've had that lonely feeling more often than I've had that one where everybody's your friend. Uh, in the cases that you win, that seems to be. Well, I just gotta, I gotta, I gotta own it, you know. I don't let that rabbit's foot own it. Now, I saw Davis Love today with a squirrel in his lap. Hey, I think that was cool as heck because <laughs> he got a lot of airtime with that squirrel. That's huge there. <laughs> but uh, you know, I'm not going to be coming in with that with a live animal in the World Series of Bowling. All right. Well, speaking of the World Series of Bowling, Norm, I, I, great. Thank you for taking all this time out. And I hope to see you down in, in Vegas at the World Series. And um, and you're right. And, and it's funny that you have uh, you're talking about luck and everything, and the World Series is held in Vegas. So uh, very interesting there. But, Norm, thank you for joining us and spending the time with us. And uh, all the best of luck uh, in the 2013-14 World Series of Bowling. Guys, thank you for covering Bowen. We appreciate it, and I will see you there in Vegas. I'm looking forward. All right. Thank you, Norm. 